This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, boys, it's time for another Mackie and Judd sports Movie Rewind. Let's do it, Dex. All right, here we go. Not Cleveland. No, say it's not Cleveland. Not Cleveland. We got a call from a manager in Japan. Japan. That's the uh, 2K. Forget it. Junichi. No. I'm a major leaguer. There's no way I'm going to play in Japan. Uh, Four things that I accept about myself... Problems with authority, the attention span of a gnat, a bad right knee, and trouble understanding women. Acceptance is only the first step. Okay. Okay. You had a vision of a beer. Hi. Did I read that sign right? Yes. Swing away. Maybe I'll break your record. I said, sing away. Yes, chief. This is the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise. Action movie rewind, rom-com rewind, and sports movie rewind, which is the run we're on right now. And we go back to 1992. I would say one of the, and maybe for a good reason, forgotten sports movies of the 1990s, Mr. Baseball. Here's the summary. A professional American baseball player whose career is on the wane, Jack Elliott, played by Tom Selleck and his mustache, gets traded to the Dragons, a Japanese team. Openly unhappy about the change, Jack Elliott isn't eager to adapt to a new culture and proceeds to get on the bad side of his teammates, including another American, Max Hammer Dubois, played by Dennis Haysbert, who also played, uh, what's his name? In uh, Major League, Major League Two. Um, uh, Pedro Serrano. Pedro Serrano. Eventually, Jack Elliott decides to make a real effort, attempting to improve his game and his attitude. But will it be enough to help lead his team to victory? This movie received a 12% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. There is no critics consensus. A $40 million budget turned into just $20 million at the box office. This movie lost $20 million. <laughs> it starred Tom Selleck, Dennis Haysbert, Frank Thomas, by the way. Yeah, the I thought that was star him. First I wanted baseman. more Big Hurt. I thought that was him. I didn't get enough yeah. Big Hurt. We had a little Bob Costas and Tim McCarver as well calling yep. calling games there at the beginning. So, yep. all right, we'll start with, first of all, have you guys, you, Judd, you've seen this movie before. I don't think right? I have. I, I think I've seen bits and pieces, but shockingly, yeah. 
I always turn okay. past it. Now I know why. It, it's always like, you know, an MLB network does like their bleacher yes. feature, I think is what it's called. Like it, yeah. I always see this and I, I've never turned it on and I am glad I never did until I was forced to watch it for this podcast. I'm with you. It's a good preview for, I think, the way this is about to go. So uh, we'll start with Judd. What was your main takeaway from Mr. Baseball? I have two thoughts. Thought one. In the franchise that we have, have d- done here, which involves action films, sports films, and rom-coms, there's always been one that causes us to pivot to a new genre because it's so <laughs> horseplay. This, this one did it, okay? So, like, yeah. we're not doing a sports film next week because right. this is I've causing got a couple, me to I've got a couple action movies. Okay, that good, I've good. I need, to, I need to cleanse the movie palette. Oh, God, dude. Um, this film, like, I mean, we can pile on it, but this film was so predictable and so sappy and it felt like, I mean, I have no idea what the background of, like, who wrote this and why. And, and the idea is not bad. I, I mean, guys did this and have done this, so it's certainly not a bad idea. But it felt like a vehicle that, that Selleck, probably coming off the Magnum P.I. franchise, because he sort of looked the same at the time, wrote for himself, basically, to feature Tom Selleck. Yes. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing about this film that's really good. I've got one thing that I'll bring up later that I thought they did a decent job with. But there's nothing about the storyline that's good. It's so predictable. And it doesn't do anything. Like, there's so many also um, just sort of non-believable things. For instance, the manager, who supposedly, I guess, not not the front office guys, who they keep showing, but the manager's the one that traded for or got the rights to sell it to bring him over from the Yankees. So he's like their huge investment. And he speaks perfect perfect English, but he spends the entire film until Selleck starts dating his daughter, not speaking English, and trying yeah. to make Selleck's life impossible when he's yes. the guy whose like job was on the line if Selleck didn't succeed. And I'll stop there. This stunk. Yeah. Um, my main takeaway is this is definitely... They, they thought the fact that this got greenlit for a $40 million budget meant they thought this was going to be – I think they figured this was going to be a wild success mm-hmm. in the United States and in Japan That because baseball was so big, right? We're coming off the 1991 World Series, you know, Twins and Braves record ratings. And, like, baseball is peaking in the early 90s. It's America's sport. It's, it's the most popular sport in the country. And you got the it's the Yankees, and you got these heritage Japanese franchises, and Tom Selleck, and so they had all the ingredients. And then they they, they saw the success of Major League from 1989, um, and they just whiffed, <laughs> no pun intended, on almost everything. It, it really winds up being, and I'll save this for another category, but it really winds up being just like a watered down diet version of. Major League in some ways, including the end baseball scene, which we'll get to. But, I, man, it's it's probably been 15 years. I have seen this movie before. It's probably been about 15 years. I was hoping that it would hold up better. Um, there are some things that I did like about this movie, but ultimately it just like, I don't know, man. It was just, it was just, it was basically just Tom Selleck being Tom Selleck and yes. nothing is else this, really happening around. Is this supposed to be a cross between Major League and Bull Durham? And is Selleck supposed to be kind of, Costner-like? Yeah. Like, is yeah. that what they were going for? Because kind in of, Bull Durham, yeah. Costner's phenomenal. I, I think he's fantastic. But like, it felt like a feature. It felt like a project done for Selleck, who loves baseball. 
loves baseball. And they thought that there was going to be somehow romanticized. I, I don't know, but the writing is just god awful. Uh, Dex, what was your main takeaway? Yeah, this is a really bad movie. Um, I <laughs> I don't even know if I call this a sports movie because, like, I I don't I half the time it's like him just being a, aloof and being a misogynist and being tone deaf this entire film. It's Tom Selleck being Tom Selleck. I don't like there there isn't as much baseball as I wanted to be involved in this movie. It's a bad movie. Like I, 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 I had to pause at moments and walk away and do other things. <laughs> really? It's the only time in this franchise wow. I had to pause like three different times. Now, granted, the Nelson Cruz news broke in the in towards like the last half hour, which was a rightfully so to pause. But I had to pause and walk away from this movie at some point to cl- to like I don't know if I can continue watching this movie at this pace. I have to like come back and do it in chunks. That's how bad this was. I've never had to do that okay. with our movie. Hear reviews. me out. Nelson Cruz, but with a Tom Selleck mustache. Huh? No. Uh, no, because no. Cruz Cruz would be a better actor than Selleck was in this film. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, okay, so let's get to the favorite parts because I'll start. All right. My favorite part was Tom Selleck as an aging ball player in the early 90s, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought Tom Selleck fit the role of an aging ball player. He looks like a ball player. He's pretty pretty big guy, right? He's, you know... Yeah. His swing wasn't bad. Like, that was him no, he, swinging in the batting cage. He's a big ball guy, man. You know, Loves wasn't ball. much of a launch angle guy. He had more of kind of a flat plane swing. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, okay. it had like a, it was very obvious to me that he had studied Kirk Gibson's swings from like the late 80s. He had that sort of, you know, like the low yep. trajectory swing, kind of the flat plane swing. And then the home runs were flying out, uh, you know, 10 feet off the ground. But I, I think, I think uh, Jack Elliott, great baseball name from like the 80s 90s i could see jack elliott with a mustache as a middle of the order yankees hitter in like the late 80s early 90s sure well i he, could definitely see that he looked the part but i mean there was no saving the whole thing I, and, and plus his character the pendulum swings for good old jack like at times to dex's point he'd be a misogynist and then at times he'd be like but i don't understand women oh, so God. help me understand it, me it's like who What's your personality, dude? Yeah. Like, at sometimes he he was sappy and a wimp, and at sometimes he was offensive, and it's like, get on some drugs, man. Get your what, life together. What, what did you make of the Jack Elliott loving that nightlife at the beginning of the movie, where he like he wakes up? Yeah, so I think it was in like some sorority. Yes. And he's completely yeah, and he's, naked, and he has to yeah. put the jeans. Like, and he's again. like he's like. He's like yeah. a 40-year-old guy just like waking up at a sorority house. I'm telling you, I think they were going for that Costner, Bull Durham uh, uh, thing, and it just felt weird. And That was downright creepy. Like the sorority house was just point, creepy. He also, at one point, when he was talking to the manager's daughter, I think he referred to offering up mustache rides. Yes. He did. Like he did. That oh, was actually yeah. a thing that he said. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes he did. This was wildly uncomfortable. It felt, it felt mustache like Magnum P.I. playing a baseball player. Yeah, like, that's what they much. thought they were going to try and ride to victory. And did, it didn't work. And did Bull Durham come out before this? 89 uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Old Durham and Major League, I think, came out in the same year. Yes. And the late 80s, early 90s were, were a great era for real baseball and for uh, movie cinematic baseball. Yeah, this film definitely tried to capitalize off that and failed. Uh, my favorite part was actually, and keep in mind, like this is a short list of things to choose from, so I'm, I'm not trying to choose one. It's the only thing. I thought the baseball scenes themselves were shot okay. 
Yeah, like, they, like the were. Base, they were. Like, like yes. the baseball scene. That's going to rate fairly high on the realistic baseball. Part of what they did yeah. that I liked that was smart was it felt like they kept the camera angles really tight a lot of times. And so there wasn't an obvious, like they would shoot something and then and it would be a tight shot and then it'd be done. So like there wasn't a lot of follow up to look at, oh, look at how that guy did this or that. Yes. So I thought, I thought the. If it's the right term, the choreography of the baseball scenes were was actually pretty spot on and good. Which I'm guessing Selleck played a role there because again, the man is a enormous Tigers fan and an enormous baseball fan. So somebody knew what they were doing from a baseball perspective. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they were doing from a movie perspective. So in the production notes, I'll just I'll, there's only really one meaningful one. So Tom Selleck had full control over like the end script and everything. He was such a big star coming off of Magnum PI and other things. And I'm guessing he made millions of dollars for this movie, right? And so he got final say over a lot of things. And there was just there was a lot of there, there was like like Panasonic took over from another studio and they had to sort of rewrite to make the, some of the Japanese scenes less insensitive because like Americans up and I mean, Americans still do this, right? There's a, like make fun of Asian people culture, and that was hugely prominent in the early '90s. And so they had to like wash some of that stuff out of the movie. And I don't know. Interesting. Um, another to your point about the actual baseball scenes. One mistake that sports movies make a lot is showing too much of the crowd. Yeah. Like in a big moment, the crowd—they're just a bunch of bystanders watching a movie being filmed, right? Right. And you're supposed to be capturing like these huge moments of a game, and like there's and these people aren't actors; they're just sitting there watching the filming of a scene. It's like okay, everybody cheer, and sometimes showing too much of the crowd just makes it feel unrealistic and weird. It's like, well, no, first of all, no one's wearing team colors; they're all just wearing their normal clothes, <laughs> and uh, and like no one's reacting in the way that you would actually react if this was happening. So I'm glad that they kept it mostly to the the field action. Dex, what was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was the his like pub interpreter, like publicist guy. Like I don't know if he was like an actual reporter for for an outlet, but that scene where he like reads the newspaper and he figures out like he fabricated a story, like uh, about his quotes about the manager when he's like at the bar, you know, with all the baseball guys and then they're and they're being dudes basically. Which, which is another thing. Which is another scene. Actually, I have the clip as well. Um, but uh, how he basically lies and makes him look good because he realized that Tom Selleck is a fool. And this is a completely different culture than America. Like, I think also people do forget about that. Like, not everything in America is the exact same in other places. So he was trying to protect him. And I even thought, oh, that's really admirable because Tom Selleck's being an absolute moron. And his agent or whoever this publicist guy is is just looking out for him. And then Selleck basically being the buffoon. He is, no, you, you put down what I write, blah, blah, blah. But I actually, my favorite part was him. So he was trying to defend him. That was my favorite part of this movie. Oh. Oof. Which is bad. Doesn't score well for the it, movie. It does not. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, so not but you much. glossed over another great part here, which is the American baseball players who all just like hang out at the same American sports bar. Like, forget about the fact that there's all these Japanese teams just strewn probably hundreds of miles apart, right? <laughs> and they're all just like they're all just hanging out. Hey, it's Bob. I used to play for the Orioles. Do you have a clip of this, Dex? Yes, I do. Welcome to Japan, Mister Baseball. Mister Baseball, Mr. Right here, baby. Hey. Right. Read it to him, right? Yeah. Hey. When asked his impression of his new manager, Elliot replied, 
I have much to learn from Uchiyama-san. I will gladly strive to shed all my old, disgusting ways of laziness and become my best under his guidance. <laughs> very harmonious of you, you Yoji. Yoji to be your assigned interpreter? Am I right? That's right. Well, let us tell you a few things about your new neighbors over here, Jack. Yeah. First, you got your Gaijin strike zone. <laughs> Roughly the size of a Buick. And I hope you didn't bring your... <laughs> We're just hanging out at the American bar. Yeah, it's like they're American a champ. Ball it's like they're a champ. Yeah, drinking yeah. beer. Hey, bring over some of those curly fries. Yeah. I want some now. curly fries. Waffle fries. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. All right. Least favorite part of this movie, oh, Judd. God, there's so many. There's. there's so many choices, and it's funny here because in this film, for sure. Least favorite part and least believable sort of cross paths a lot because it's so poorly written and it's yeah. so hard to believe. Um, but I think my least favorite part is the relationship between Jack and Hiroko, oh, which is lazily written. Uh, it's way too up and down. Like, oh, I, you know, we're falling in love. I hate you. Now we're back together. We're falling in love. Now I'm soaping your hairy chest. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, when she just happens to, and, and, and he doesn't know that she's the daughter of the manager until they go to her parents' house. And then, again, he speaks perfect English. And knew That's whole, a terrible move by her, man. You got to give him a heads up. But You got to give him a heads up. But. Somebody would tell you the first time when when he talks to her the first time and he asks and Selk's character, Jack Elliott, asks his interpreter, you know, who is she? And he's just like, basically, there's a lot. I forget his line. Anyway, he would tell him at that point, that's the daughter of the manager. So that's my least favorite. part. But the relationship was awful. Like, it was so boring and poorly written and, and predictable. There was nothing about that. That was redeeming. Uh, what would you guys do if a beautiful woman, if you were single and you're a ball player and a beautiful woman offers you a bath and a Coors? Well, that sounds excellent. Dex, that, that, Saturday sounds, night. That, that sounds like it'd be a great evening for How me. How about that you sit in this phenomenal. hot bath? Very small I'm going to come up too. behind you. I'm going to give you a massage. I'm going to massage your hairy chest from behind uh, while you sip a Coors oh, Banquet. Oh, gross. Okay, well, you put it like that. No, I'm <laughs> a Coors Banquet now beer. Oh, King Banquet's I, I banquet love me a banquet. Bear. I love me a banquet. You know what I didn't need to? I love me a banquet. And we, we've, no. co- we've come across this in action films and sports films as well, and it seemed to be a 90s. I, I think it was an 80s and 90s staple that I'm guessing you don't see as much now because it's not as big a deal. Actors like Selleck who do films and they show their bare bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, you saw. That's yeah, right. I thought I, I, mean, see Tom, the, I think, think Stallone Selleck loved himself. Some Tom Selleck, yeah, Stallone, Tom Selleck chest hair was iconic. Kurt back Russell, in that right? Day. Stallone, Kurt oh, yeah. Russell, Tom Selleck. Well, the chest hair is what it is. I don't care about that. But it's like let's show him taking a shower, and you can see his bottom, and you might get a view. Oh no, you don't get oh. the other view. Last yeah. second. I mean, if, if they hadn't shown Tom Selleck's ass. This movie goes from twenty million at the box office down to what? Twelve? Four dollars. There's direct to DVD. I mean, there's 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 ten million dollars in just women wanting to see Tom Selleck's bare ass in this movie, right? Two thousand and two. If this film was made ten years after it was made, I think it stands a fighting chance. Direct to DVD. <laughs> Probably does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, least favorite. 
What are we on decks? Or yeah, is it, that is that, that okay. bathtub scene was one of the most uncomfortable I've ever been in our movie reviews. That was that was <laughs> so bad, dude. I, I was so uncomfortable by that entire. How he takes the towel and like covers up his manhood too. The that, wash that part? Yes. The, like washcloth. Yes. Like oh, that's good. Which work. by the way, he okay. And what's ridiculous is the entire movie, he is portrayed as a guy that would happily just be sitting in that tub. Naked, waiting for a woman to walk in, and Easily. then all of a sudden he gets sheepish That's in what that I'm moment saying. and grabs a washcloth. Who it's was like, he? What? Yeah, like it's at some points he he was a complete a hole, and at some points he was this, you know. Yeah. Oh, I I don't I don't understand women. Please help me. Who are you, dude? Yeah, yeah. and and just uh, the creepy undertones of the of the early '90s. Like the '90s are great. I love the '90s. I love the '90s music scene is great. It's probably my favorite John era of music. But like. The '90s creepy undertones of Tom Selleck and those guys at the baseball bar, just like it's cringe. Like, it, like there's so many shows, especially, and I know some people say, "Well, we're now we're woke enough, and you're canceling culture and all this stuff." But some things have just, as time has gone on, just like been awful. Like the show Entourage is one of my favorite shows. That wouldn't last two episodes in 2021 culture if they ran it back. Um, same, same with like these movies like this, and we see with these '80s and '90s movies that we do. It it can be really uncomfortable, and th- there was a lot of uncomfortable scenes in this movie. My my least favorite part of this movie was the end baseball sequence that they just blatantly ripped off from Major League, right? You got the old <laughs> broken down veteran player and and the and the thought is that he's going to hit a home run, right? And then, and the and the way that they got into it was different, but like game-winning run on second base, two outs, ninth inning or whatever, right? And the old Codger veteran player is going to hit a game-winning home run, and Jake Taylor in Major League points to center field like Babe Ruth and calls You're a right. shot, then lays You're down right. a punt. This is great. Tom Tom <laughs> Selleck did, didn't point. He went and talked to the manager. You know, they did the callback on the because he gave him the bunt sign earlier in the movie, um, and so it's expect he's going to hit he's going to hit a home run for the seventh consecutive game and break the manager's all-time record, and he drops down a bunt. Um, and I pulled up some. Let me grab this real quick in my notes because in in the Wikipedia description of this movie, like in the plot description, and I don't know who's, I don't know who like wrote this or or what, but it said with the bases loaded, two outs, and his team and his team down six to five. The team brass expects Uchiyama to signal for a bunt. To try to tie the game, mm-hmm. even though it would de- uh, deny Elliot the chance to break the home run record, and then of course there's the conversation between Jack Elliot and Uchiyama, like, "Are you sure you don't want me to bunt in this situation?" Like, it's a it's a big conversation about like, I should be bunting here, right? No, 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 swing away. But then he bunts anyways. There's two outs and the bases are loaded, and you're down by a run. Yeah, bunting is the worst possible thing you can do. There's a force at home plate, like like bunting in that spot is so dangerous. And again, right. now unless you're doing it in the way that he did it, which is the infield's playing back and it's a bunt for a hit. But like, there would be no discussion among anyone about bunting unless it was a surprise sneak attack sort of thing, which it wound up being right. So like the whole it was weird. Like this expectation that he's going to bunt, and then Jack Elliott like calling time and being confused, like, are you sure I'm not bunting? Why would you be bunting? It doesn't make any sense. There's two outs and the bases are loaded. Now, I took that to mean, so I thought he got, so early in the film, earlier, when when, when he is still butting heads with um, the chief. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, he got the bunt sign and then went called timeout and went and talked to the manager. And he then ignored he ignored the the direction, right? Like I think he swung away or something. So I think yes. it I think in well, this he, case he tried to bunt the first and then he whiffed on the first That's bunt, right. He, that's yeah. right. So I think in this case, if I'm not mistaken, he got the bunt sign again, but the chief was trying to show the brass that he was going to call for a bunt, but then wanted Jack to disobey him to swing away. And he, I mean, it was so confusing. So like, I think what he was doing was he was giving the bunt sign to the third base coach who relayed it. And that's when Jack Elliott called timeout to go. You're talking the second time? The second time. Yeah. No, the second time he gave him a swing away sign. Oh, I thought he gave him the bunt sign, and then and then he said, "Ignore my direction," and he wanted the, that ownership group. I don't even know who they were. Some executive board to see it, but it, that's how confusing. That's how poorly written <laughs> this film was. My point. I, I think it just. Stunk. I think he gave him the he gave him the swing away sign, and Jack was thinking, okay. "I thought this is a situation." Oh, okay, where you I thought want he gave him bunt. the bunt signs, so the executives would be like, "Oh, uh, Chief did the right thing," and then they would come back and and he would ignore it. But anyway, well, that's uh, maybe. how I guess that's I, how poorly. Watch, maybe I'll watch it back and see. <laughs> yeah, no, I never will again. But that's how poorly written this film was. Like that's th- this is the problem with the film is because you're. You're right, and I didn't think of this at the time. They ripped the end of Major League completely off, but then they managed to screw it up and make us more confused. Uh, Okay, least believable. I got a bunch um, that I've been going through, and I actually think this film was so bad that I don't know that I have a least favorite part because it was so bad Mm -hmm. and so unbelievable that I actually have a laundry list of unbelievable things where it's just like, this is just nonsense. But I'm going to give you my my one that I decided has to be the least believable. And again, it comes back to the fact that if Selleck had final say on the script, how the hell did he not rewrite this? All right. Jack Elliott. He might have just, he might have just taken his money and said, I don't care anymore. That's a very good point. Jack Elliott gets traded traded by the Yankees to Japan. And he is miserable. He hates the culture. He wants back in the big leagues. He is a big league ball player, damn it. I belong in the big leagues. All right? And then he befriends the other American on his team, Max Dubois. All right. And at the end, at the end of the film, they try and fool you in the bar after the big game by there's the discussion about a player having just signed with the Braves. He's going to Atlanta. He's going to he's going to get on a plane. And the insinu- or not the insinuation, the discussion had been that's Jack, right? Jack is going to get the contract. But then when they pan out of the camera at the bar, it's Max who gets the contract. Yeah. And Jack is like, "Oh, I'm and Max says, oh, "I'm sure you'll get back to." And Jack's like, "Oh yeah, I mean eventually I'll get my shot again." It's like the whole so, film he was trying to get back to the States, and now Max has basically come in and usurped him, and he's fine with that. Also, what doesn't make sense is Jack's agent called and said, hey, we're coming over, and yeah. we've got a spot for you. I think it's, it was with the Dodgers or something, right? Dodgers. I'm sorry, and, not the Braves. And we're just going right. to – but maybe Max signed with the Braves? I don't remember. Uh, but they come over and it's like this is a this is a done deal. We're just going to come over and watch you play like a game and then pick you up and bring you back to the states. So did they just did they watch the game and think actually oh my god actually Max is <laughs> the did. one that's yes. better 
Yes. And so we're just going to, yeah, we're going to sign him instead after one game. I don't know. The whole thing was, I would feel like that was a bait and switch if I was Jack. I'd probably but, fire my agent in that situation. Well, and, his, and that guy is a total like scumbag, too. And they never like make a point of the being, weird ponytail. The I love the early nineties slick back ponytail guy. Yeah, Paul always Heyman. a shady character. Paul Heyman, looking like yeah. Paul Heyman. Anyway, <laughs> that whole thing was just so stupid. And then it's like, oh look, it's Max who gets the game. Jack's like, I'm happy for you. I'm I'm happy to stay here. Yeah. I call uh, Jack's le- least believable for you. Yeah, what the hell was that ball field that they used? That baseball field made like the Sandlot look like Target Field. Like that. Fe- so those, that- I think that was a common thing, especially in the '80s and '90s. Dirt infields yep. in Japanese leagues. They actually had yeah. those. It was like mud. Like it, yeah. it was. Yeah, but they did have those, and and the ballparks that they used, I think, were all real because I think they used the Tokyo Dome for one one short scene as well. Okay, which was a place. So it looked weird, but I think that was again. I think they did right by just like a lot of the baseball stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did not like the field, and also. Yeah. I didn't enjoy how basically all the other teams in the in this Japan league were just basically knockoff ripoffs of other like the Giants, the Dodgers. That's how their league is. That is have also, also Japanese. Yes. Have you ever watched the Tokyo no, Giants? <laughs> Clearly, I haven't. Yeah. No. That that's yeah, how, that's what they those do. Those are real teams. Yeah. Yes. I thought, but like I, I've seen some of like the no. highlights and stuff, and none of them are MLB teams, like colors and stuff. The Tokyo Giants well, not, were real. Not, not every and the Dragons, team is, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that yeah. no, that was, no. You you just ripped them for two things that were actually accurate. Oh wow, look at that! I'm feeling right now. You huh. you literally just ripped them for the two most believable things. Yeah, I didn't in know the that. Entire move. I, I like those that. jerseys too, you guys. I I thought they were cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. Huh. <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna I for, I forgot um, oh, wow, yeah. one of my favorite things in this movie. So I'm actually can you guys Judd nailed the least believable stuff there. Awesome. Um, this movie foreshadowed. Siyoshi Nishioka's struggles with the Minnesota Twins with one line. When Jack reams out his teammate for not sliding hard into second base to break up the double play, and Max comes in and stops him, he's like, Jack, no, 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 no. It's considered disrespectful and dishonorable to slide hard into second right. base. We don't, we don't break up double plays. Great call. And what happened? Nishioka in New York, it's like the first week of the season in 2010, 2011. 2011. That's right. And Nick Swisher, I think it was, comes bearing down into second base to break up a double play. And Nishioka was like completely caught off guard, had his leg planted in the ground, broke his leg. And after the game, it was like, why, like, why didn't he jump? Like, what? You couldn't see Nick Swisher barreling down the, the line to second base? Like, how does that happen? And um, a couple of the Japanese media members, you know, told the American, the Twins beat writers, yeah, that's just not a thing in Japan. Like it's, you're right. They don't they don't do that at second base in Japan, and so uh, he was probably just like not used to. I mean, I'm sure they practice some of it in spring training, but like this is now it's go time. It's April, baby, and uh, so it's disrespectful to take somebody out at second on a slide. It was the line I wrote down. It's like wow, that Nishioka man. You're right. And what totally the rules are, you don't spit on the field, you don't take out guys mm-hmm. a second, you take your shoes off yeah. in the clubhouse. So, yeah. so Phil, off that, because I, I thought of another Nishioka thing. What? So, like, the whole thing, because I think this is right, the whole thing was, like, we're a team, right? And, like, like there's no, like, superstars, and, and Jack didn't fit in because he considered himself to be above the team, at least at the start of his time with the club. So... In retrospect, what was the Nishioka thing with him choosing to work out alone in Florida, which he really did? 
but that I mean, was weird. But wouldn't that fly counter to how Japanese baseball approaches things? Yeah, I mean, or I don't I know wrong? enough about Japanese baseball, but you know, just to for the audience, because it's like ten years ago now, yeah. time flies. So Nishioka, when he signed, he was the batting champion. He batted like three forty five or three fifty. Mm-hmm. All of it was Babip inflated. By the way, he was like a career two eighty hitter in Japan. Had one big pop up season because he just kind of got lucky. Um, and the Twins, I don't know, the Twins just didn't scout him well enough. But when he signed, like no one knew that he was a bust. Like you, you're thinking, oh, this is the Japanese batting champion. He's coming over, and so nobody really thought twice about the way he approached spring training, which was for the first week and a half leading up to the full team workout. So pitchers and catchers had reported, and so there's like that four-day window where everyone's there and pitchers and catchers are working out, and the position players are all just like working out together with these unofficial workouts on the main field. And Nishioka was always on side fields with his trainer, his nutritionist, uh, some other. It was like It was like four different people that were with him, and he wasn't wearing twins gear. He was wearing like whatever his sponsored gear was from Japan, oh like Mizuno God. or something. I remember, yes. And yes. so like, Garden Hire was, was legitimately ruffled and like, well, we've we've offered him like twin stuff to at least if he's going to work out, like at least put some twin stuff on and, oh, just doing his own thing. But at the time it was like, oh, he's a superstar. So that's just, this is what he's going to, this is how he's going to go about it. And then obviously <laughs> well, that became laughable like four months later. So, yeah. And crushed um, smokes too. He did. He ripped all kinds of heaters. And put, and put bidets, rightfully so, in the target field uh, clubhouse. Well, that's, that's Dex on move. board with that. Yeah, I love that. MVP bidet. votes for Nishioka yeah. from Dex. Yep. So, all right, let's get to the believability of sports action in this movie rating. So, 1 through 10. And we're just rating the believability of the actual sports action that took place. So, Little Big League is the most believable sports action movie that we've seen so far. 8.7 out of yes. 10. Any Given Sunday, 7.5. Major League, 6.2. Mighty Ducks, 2.7. Draft Day, also a 2.7. Mr. Baseball, 1 through 10. I'm going to give it a 7. It was... Yeah. It, oh, but, the believability. Yeah, yes. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Oh, not the film. Oh, God, no. No, no. The believability of the sports action, for the most part, was pretty damn good. Um, A 7. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um. I will say that's like one of the saving grace of the film. I mean, the, yes. there's those goofy baseball workouts. But that's just Selleck being, you know, aloof. That's just him making yeah. and again mocking yeah. uh, another another country's culture and, and ways of life. So actually, I think yeah, the believability of the baseball, despite I did not know that a fields were muddy and two the league actually uh, basically emulated other MLB teams. Uh, but yes, I do think the action was pretty legit. I'll give it a seven as well. Um, boys, I'm I'm actually giving it a nine for sports action because they. They they knew not to do too much, right? They knew mm-hmm. not to show enough. Don't show on athletic guys. They had Frank Thomas taking BP, as realistic as you can get. Mm-hmm. Thomas Selleck's swing was very realistic, very Kirk Gibson-like. Even the sound effects, like the crack of the bat and uh, the ball hitting the catcher's mitt and stuff, like the Japanese crowds. Yeah, it was good. All of it was, all of it was pretty damn realistic. Yep. Like the batting practice scenes and stuff. They're doing calisthenics in the outfield, and then they're doing batting practice. It's like it's, it was all very legitimate. So I'm giving it a 9, which makes it a 7.7 for believability, the second most believable sports movie okay. that we have reviewed so far. All right, now we get to the entertainment value, 1 through 10. Ugh. Major League is a 9. 
Little Big League a 7.3, any given Sunday a 7.2, Mighty Ducks a 7, and Draft Day a 6. Judd. So the rating for this film, where do I start? Um, I'm debating just a little bit here. I'm debating. <laughs> I am going to give it, you know what I'll give it? I'll take my debate and split it right down the middle, 1.5. I was between a one and a two, <laughs> one point five. This film was so so. Just to be clear here, any given Sunday had a ton of flaws, but for the purposes of this segment, it was damn near perfect. Like it sure. was a yeah, perfect. It also had twenty or twenty five recognizable actors. Absolutely, but I'm just saying the storyline also was goofy, but it was perfect to break down. This film sold us short. Like, this should be a really fun film to break down, and they couldn't even get there. They get a 1.5. Yeah. Dex? Yeah, it's a 1. Uh, the what the point five for Judd, I think, is extra a little generous there. This is one of the worst films I've had to endure in a long, long time. And uh, I will. I, it's a 1. It's not. Tom Selleck is, is aloof. I don't really find much of the sports action enjoyable in this movie. It, half of it is him being It's because you didn't know it was real. And also, I didn't know Japanese baseball <laughs> teams are just... Copying other Major League Baseball teams with their jerseys and uniforms. Um, yeah, it's a one. It's a one out of ten. Uh, I love Tom Selleck. And I do Tom too. Selleck, Tom Selleck, I think, in the, the, the ten-episode run that he was on Friends, too, yeah. was oh, just great. some of his best work. Roger. It's great. Richard? Richard. Yep. Richard. 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 So I'm giving it a two because of Tom Selleck. I just <laughs> love Tom Selleck. And the baseball action was fine. So I'm giving it a two, which means it's a 1.5. Average rating for us, making it by far the worst sports movie we have reviewed to this point. 